the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Well, welcome back as we head into our three delight, privilege, and honor to have in studio with me, Mr. Hugh Hallman, former mayor of Tempe, uh, attorney in town. Uh, he is a educator. He is a school builder. He is a civic and community activist and philanthropist. Hugh, it is delightful to have you back in studio with us. I am thrilled to be here. You're a little out of practice introducing me, I noticed, but I'm delighted. Well, whose fault is that? It is entirely my it own. It is your fault because you haven't be been here. I've been out of practice. But did I get anything wrong? I didn't get no, anything n- wrong. You never do. <laughs> I don't know about that. Um, I'm glad you're here because um, we're in full-on back-to-school mode, and uh, it seems like we might be back into full-on COVID mitigation and uh, other other kind under the other kinds of modes. When we thought this thing was gone and over with, it's back. It's back today. Joe Biden is uh, re, 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 is putting his mask back on and telling others to do so inside the White House. Jill, Jill on the news that Jill Biden has now gotten her second or possibly third, depending on how you count her uh, her rebound case. Um, I saw last week that um, one of the panelists on Fox was speaking about looking forward to getting his eighth COVID shot, even though he's already had COVID five times. I see a school in Maryland is now requiring masks for their elementary and secondary school students. And I have a headline from The Hill magazine. You know The Hill magazine based out of Washington, D.C. I'll give it to you. COVID-19 raises anxiety at start of new school year. It sure does. Probably more with me than anyone else, except possibly you. Yeah. So anger bubbled up almost instantaneously when you decided that we were going to have this conversation. And (laughs) the first thing I did, I had mentioned to you uh, a couple of weeks ago or so, a week and a half ago, that the former uh, COVID czar uh, for the White House, Ashish Jha, Uh the doctor, had been on NPR and done an interview that was counter-narrative to the uh, concept that COVID is something to continue to be afraid of. And what I find fascinating is I am unable, and now you are unable yet, to find that entire interview. And all one can find now is a clipped-together version that sits on the NPR website for their podcast, buried under the title, uh, Back to School, uh, Herbie Hancock. New school year, new policies in some states, Herbie Hancock honors Wayne Shorter. (laughs) That's it. And so every time I kept... Googling to try to find this piece that came up and finally I thought it's got to be buried in there and in fact it was and when you go to the listen to the interview you hear he starts in mid-sentence And they've clipped off the entire beginning of the interview that was a sort of, you know, there's nothing nothing to look at here, ma'am. Uh, this is now just like every other virus we've got. It's with us. And they clipped off the end of it where he tells a story about the fact that his mother wouldn't take his opinion about getting a vaccine. 
And she had to go meet Anthony Fauci to be convinced, uh, because Anthony Fauci, of course, is the font of all knowledge on COVID. But what we do know, he is the font of most misstatements on COVID. And just as an example, as he's now ramping up to be relevant in our lives yet again, we have, uh, for example, a Fox News story. Uh, Fauci, quote, concerned, unquote, people won't comply if masking recommendations return, quote, I hope they abide. This was from a CNN interview over the weekend Fox is reporting on. That yeah, is continue. correct. The reason that uh, CNN is not continuing to carry it is because it's filled with contradictions. Yeah. It is uh, classic Fauci uh, speaking out of both ends of his mouth. And yes, I'm using that cleverly there. Uh, an elementary canal uh, <clears throat> that he speaks out of both ends of uh, to sort of uh, give voice to an old Ronald Reagan comment about yes. government. Yes. Um, and a duck, I think. Uh, yeah, well, <laughs> or a goose. It's, uh, yeah. it's right. a child. Right. It was a right. child. That oh, they, was? Okay. You feed them at one end and have to change the diaper effectively. You're right. You're right. Uh, so here we go. Uh, Anthony Fauci talking about the pandemic starting up again and his desire that everybody be prepared to wear masks. And it says, this is a quote. I would hope that if we get to the point that the volume of cases is such and organizations like the CDC recommends, CDC does not mandate anything. It recommends that people wear masks. I would hope that people would abide by that recommendation and take into account the risks to themselves and their, fouch, uh, and their families. That is to CNN. The end of that article and the last quotation notes the most important following as an example of the Fauci fibbing. The Fauci Fibonacci sequence, I suppose. I don't know. We can multiply it a number of times and see if it adds up to one. Uh, it ends by saying, quote, the CDC's most recent face mask order, which required all Americans to wear face coverings while taking public transportation, expired with the termination of the covid public health emergency on May 11th. That is correct. That's an unquote. That is correct. So here we have Fauci trying again to distance himself from having been the guy that made everybody wear masks. If you entered an airport, if you got onto an airplane, no, wait, if you got on a public bus, on a metro center station, any of those locations, which for most people in the middle and low income families, public transportation is a larger and important part. Well, it's interesting that really the entire I will pivot a little bit. The entire Biden administration seems hellbent on destroying the American middle class because it is the American middle class that is most impacted by these kinds of mandates. Their children go to public schools and now public schools are ramping this up again. We don't want to pay attention to the the emotional and physical uh, well-being of our children that is undermined by these mask mandates. Yes, mask mandates in public schools. And Dr. Fauci, you're fibbing again. You're misleading people about what you did in the past and what you're recommending now. But it's more than that. We have an entire uh, system twisting on itself because uh, Dr. Jaw's comments in that interview were that this virus is now like every other uh, respiratory via virus we have. Yes, he said COVID will probably be here forever. Forever, yes. he's correct. He all goes on in that interview to talk about the fact that it will continue to, to change yep. and new variants will pop up, and most of them are irrelevant to our lives, yep. that they are not uh, uh, medically interesting. That is to say, they're not sufficiently different that they'll cause a different kind of outcome. 
And what you do hear him in what's left of the interview is the press for everybody to get vaccinated. And I, I happen to have been vaccinated. Others have not. I don't I'm not going to preach or not. I do certain kinds of things in my life that are higher risk and that I end up in situations where, number one, I can cause other people problems and I also might be subjected to it. And I don't mind, uh, you know, I'll be the experiment. And if I if I grow a, a third eye someplace, I, you know, so so be it. At least I can add to the medical information of society. But the point is, he goes on to press for vaccines. And what's fascinating is he explains that his children will get the flu vaccine and the COVID vaccine. Mm -hmm. But you note that he's talking about three respiratory illnesses. This year, we have RSV, flu, and COVID. And all three of those things, he admits, cause illnesses in in seniors especially that cause them heart attacks and strokes and other kinds of uh, problems that cause their deaths. Recall for two years, we talked about the fact that comorbidities are the best indicator whether or not you're going to get a serious illness or die from COVID, not COVID itself. Well, that's also true for RSV. Mm -hmm. And what I find most fascinating as an indicator of the complete hypocrisy of our federal government, the Biden administration, and Dr. Fauci in particular, is that RSV now has a vaccine that is only being administered to people 60 and over. And yet children get RSV and communicate it to adults on a regular occasion, just like they do flu and COVID. We're giving them flu vaccines and COVID vaccines, but not the RSV vaccine, because the federal government recognizes that the RSV vaccine is more dangerous to kids than getting the virus itself. And so this complete hypocrisy, as we're watching the federal government and the Biden administration and their policymakers twisting themselves into pretzels to try to make sense of the different policy positions they're taking when all of it demonstrates that they're a bunch of hypocrites. I want to come back to almost everything you just said there because you're right, and, and, and we need to focus on this, and you're right, the school's already starting to do this. But I have a question for you about the mask question, which I don't understand. Because and maybe we'll pick this up on the other side of the break. Did I fill that much time? I'm no, sorry. No, it's good. That's why you're here. It's called a talk show for a reason, and you're a guest for a reason. So you'll talk, and so we can hear what you have to say. But the studies now, having been so conclusive about the inefficacy of masks, he was confronted with this on CNN, and his response is: when you talk about masking on an individual basis, there's a greater success rate. And I want to know what he means when he's distinguishing between community and individual basis. Will we, can you talk Please, about that? Please, because that was going to be my next Good. point. I'm All looking right. forward to that one. That is a fabulous concept right. that, again, pretzels itself into complete loss of recognition. Now I can... <laughs> our, thanks to our musical conductor, Mr. Yeah. Hugh Hallman, today. This is great. I'm this, sitting here waving my arms and, and uh, happily sort of... The very along. first Jimmy Buffett song I ever heard uh, was that one. On, I think 1977, I was in my uh, my sister, my older sister. She might be your age, you or a year or two older than you. She had a great album called Record Collection, and I was going through them one day, um, and I saw this guy with a sailor's outfit and uh, looked interesting. I put it on, and uh, my family went out to dinner, and I stayed with the record. I, I, that's how important. You know how f- important food is to me. And how important Turns music, music is might have been better. more so. And, yeah. and that is true. Yeah. And you and I've talked about things like Carefree Highway yeah. is one yeah. of the classic, yeah. beautiful songs. Yeah. 
uh, that tells quite a quite a sad story. In some yeah, ways. these storytelling music. Anyway, um, about the old folks. Exactly. It's such a good song. Yes. <clears throat> some of the lyrics are even debatable. I mean, what they what they kind of mean, like. Um, well, when we have that day, we'll do that. Okay. Hugh Holman. So Anthony Fauci's on CNN. Many, many, many studies have now come out on the inefficacy of masks in stopping the transmission and acquisition of COVID. The most well-known one and the most well-researched one is known as the Cochrane study, which uh, was written by 12 professors from universities across the globe, uh, all of which found that there was no... Uh, no, no mitigation of COVID transmission or acquisition by the use of masks or and, health com- outcomes, right? Or health outcomes. And Anthony Fauci's asked about it on CNN, and he said, "When you're talking about the effect on the pandemic as a whole, the data on masking is less strong. But when you talk about it on an individual basis, there's no doubt. Many studies show that there is an advantage to mask. What is this difference between communal and individual spread and cessation of spread by use of masks? I don't understand that. It's a random control or it's not. And here's the best answer I can come up with that might be an everyday example. So you sit and watch somebody at a slot machine and that person hits it big and a bunch of coins pop out. That's the positive side. The negative side would be, gee, I got covid But the reality still remains that that one person who got COVID or got the jackpot had exactly the random experience that Dr. Fauci is now trying to use to to justify his position. It's absurd. So, Dr. Fauci, what you really want to say is that everybody should gamble at slot machines because some individuals will hit the jackpot. Some people will hit the jackpot. But on average, we all lose. And it is exactly the same point with masking. That, in fact, the damage done to our society has been horrific, especially in young people. When you impose on young people masking, but also their teachers and parents, because children are learning from the visual cues they get from parents, from adults, and so, Dr. Fauci, you are you are excusing the use of uh, masks on the grounds that some people on some random people and it is random will benefit. But you can't say it's because of the mask, because we know from uh, the data across the community that just as with gambling, you sit at a, a slot machine Eventually, you lose all of your money. You lose. And that is exactly the same calculus that has to be made with masking. The, the studies are just talking about the efficacy for avoiding COVID or spreading COVID or having bad health outcomes from COVID. And what it says is, on average, it didn't help at all, right. at all. So some people might have been helped, but a lot of people then had worse outcomes. What do we mean by that? Those studies are only looking at the health outcomes from COVID. They are not then adding into the balance the negative health outcomes that came from mask wearing, that children were devastated by the loss of learning and understanding and picking up cues and socialization and the huge amount of isolation that got created as a result of masking as well as stay-at-home orders. And so if you take both of those pieces, Dr. Fauci, It is not only the silliness of the point you're making that some people might have been advantaged. You can't tell whom. 
you're failing to weigh into that calculus the clear devastating impacts from mask mandates. Thank you. And I want to return to parts of that as well. Can I read you something from a PhD I follow, uh, a scientific researcher? Today on CNN, after devastating study citations from the interviewer showing that masks don't work, Fauci responds, but masks work on an individual level. Okay, what we just said. Here's what As does playing a slot machine. Right. And here's what my guy said. But this is nonsense. Here's why. To do science on masks, you have a mask group and an unmasked group. You compare the rate of infection in each group. This is called a randomized trial. This is how science is done. If the rate of infection is the same, then masks don't work. This is what the studies on masks showed. No difference. Now, there is simply no such thing as scientific studies showing that masks work on an individual level. Fauci either doesn't understand how science works or he is lying and making things up. It really is that simple. Fauci is saying gobbledygook in order to keep the idea of masks alive. It's incredibly shameful for Fauci to abuse science in this way, but it's par for the course in the way he has communicated science throughout the entire pandemic. That Sad. is correct. You cannot you cannot take individual cases as, as uh, indi- indicative no of what the right. outcome is. Right. And that's why we do random trials, but that's why we also look at large groups of people so we can understand what the efficacy of is of anything. And that's my point. On, on a, a random basis, somebody will hit the jackpot. But when Doesn't you take the group, you, yeah, right, right, the, there is a reason right, that casinos right. have really fancy furniture and people make lots of money uh, getting people to gamble. It's because, on average, you all lose. And that's exactly the way it happens with masks. Everybody loses. Yeah. I, I, someone once said to me, they have to pay for those fountains somehow. And there's a reason why they pay Them and insurance companies. That's you, right. Oh, you want to we'll fly you out here. Right, right. <laughs> insurance <laughs> companies do the same thing. And inf- insurance companies do the same thing. Um, Harvard Chan School of Health, pandemic accelerated youth mental health crisis. Pause that because there was one more thing about masks I wanted to say. If we look at all the scientific literature and the random, random controlled, randomized controlled trials of them, and we realize that they were ineffective, not efficacious, isn't there another baleful effect to the recommendation of using them by giving people a false sense of security and a false sense of activity, a false sense of safety by using them when, in fact, they may think they're being safer and engaging in certain activities they otherwise wouldn't when, in fact, they are not in any way, shape, or form safer. This false sense of security seems to me bad medicine and bad medical advice, too. It's brilliant insight, and that is that those people who should an, analyze their circumstance by looking at their comorbidities and determining how right. high at risk they are, right. should they engage right. in social activities that might expose them more frequently? Well, that's going to also be true for RSV and the flu. Right. So anybody who has a high risk of heart attack, uh, uh, extreme obesity, uh, diabetes, those kinds of things, if they are convinced that if they just wear a mask, they can go engage in these behaviors, are effectively... Uh, operating in the same instance in which some people think, oh, I'm not going to get some uh, scurrilous disease engaging in unprotected sex. That's exactly the same problem. And those people who then think they are protected are now being exposed to risks that they otherwise would not take and driving up the mortality rate. Maybe Dr. Fauci will have something to point to so he can convince people they should wear more masks.
Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. Hugh Hallman is my guest, former mayor of Tempe, attorney, educator, civic and uh, civic and uh, community uh, activist, supporter, philanthropist, and all the rest. Um, Hugh, a couple more things. Let's talk about children for a while, uh, for a moment at least, because what you find when you go to research the mental health deficits, the mental health effects on children that took place and accelerated uphace 2020 to 2023, you get sentences like this from the Harvard T.H. Chan School of Public Health. The COVID-19 pandemic dramatically accelerated a decline in youth mental health in the U.S. Um, That's not exactly correct. And I think Dr. Shaw, the former COVID czar for Joe Biden, put it in the exact same language. It's not that the COVID pandemic was responsible it didn't have an effect on children's brains if they got COVID. And if adults got COVID, that didn't have an effect on children's brains either. It was these policies. It was the use and abuse of children. It was masking them. It was yanking them out of all of their social environments. It was dramatically turning them on a dime with regard to their educational environments. It was pitting children against one another. It was putting the fear of God into them if they didn't comply with the exquisite orders of whatever public health professional their parents or their neighbor's parents or their friend's parents were lecturing them with. And it was their inability to see and read and understand and learn emotions. Such an odd thing in an education environment that seems to be so consumed with this phrase SEL, social and emotional learning on the one hand. But, you know, it's a society that just shows it really doesn't care about children. It really will use and abuse them to soothe the anxieties of adults. It's some kind of weird social form to me of a factitious disorder like a Munchausen by proxy or something. We are foisting our concerns and our anxieties on children to make them pay the price of our own adult mental psychiatric problems. That's what I'm seeing here. Well, in fact, I think Dr. Jha, um, Ashish Jha, uh, admits that in the interview, even on the NPR cut-up interview. He talks about the fact that he wants children to be vaccinated. Why? Because he doesn't want them to miss school. If they get sick, they'll miss school, and they're much better off making sure they're in school. And if they get vaccinated and they do get sick, they'll be ill for a shorter period of time and so they can get back to school. This is part of an administration that caused the shutdown of schools for almost 18 months in many instances. And now they're admitting through this discussion that, in fact, having kids in school is crucially important to their their well-being and that we don't want children missing school because they're sick. And yet you would instead shut them down for 18 months as the means to protect the adult teachers and the other adults who might surround these children if they happen to be serving as uh, 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 points of conveyance. Well, that's my point about the RSV virus. How is it that RSV is not such an exquisite disease that will only uh, vaccinate people who are 60 years and older, and suddenly teachers have not yet figured out that they ought to be using RSV as the same means to shut down schools and not have to work? Now, I'm not talking about every single teacher, but that was certainly what we saw going on here. We had a minority of folks running around assuring the shutdown of schools. Including the union's heads. Correct. The heads of the unions, in fact. Uh, And so in this instance, Dr. Jaw provides exactly the basis 
to understand the hypocrisy that went on for 18 months, the mandate to shut down schools and the idiocy that came from that. And then you think about the kinds of people who were punished for arguing against it. The woman who was at uh, Levi Strauss, who lost her job because she was advocating for the poorest of poor outside of San Francisco being denied the school opportunities that would advance them into their lives. And she gets fired because it was counter narrative that we must shut down schools. Not that she was worried about minority kids in schools that were being denied the opportunity to have their education. That's the level of twisting pretzel-like behavior that's going on. You've got Dr. Zha, who was the czar of COVID, explaining on NPR, we need kids in school. Well, So let's get them vaccinated because we don't want them to miss school if they get sick. And you, sir, with Dr. Fauci, shut schools down for 18 months, causing this horrible result in mental health for children. Using children for these adult purposes is such the opposite. We'll take this up on the other side of this break. Is such the opposite of everything we've done in public policy since the beginning of time. You know, it almost reminds me of it almost reminds me of terrorist organizations that use children to hide behind uh, embarkments of missile launching and grenade launching and, 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 and snipers. It almost reminds me of the besiege movement in Iran that would use children as minesweepers to put them in front of the tanks in the Iran-Iraq war. All right, we'll be right back. God, I could do these songs by heart. It's on, well, actually, there's an album of that, right? Uh, songs I know by heart. I could do them all. It's fun figuring out some of the places he mentions in that song. Uh, there's a big debate as to where Comanche Sky Park is. People think they figured it out. But anyway, Hugh Hallman. Uh, we were talking about children and the adult use of children. It's not just in COVID. I think we've seen this in the entire argument and debate that has been really coming at us in full speed and in fifth gear for the past five years or so on children and transgender identities. Um it's an odd, odd thing, the rapidity at which and the ardency at which this argument is being made uh, about children needing to have not just medical therapies given to them when they decide at ages seven or eight or nine or ten, and in some cases even younger, that they are mismatched with the body they were born into, but that adults are sometimes arguing with parents, sometimes parents arguing, doctors sometimes recommending to parents that these children do go through these therapies, and indeed, as we are learning, in fact, life-altering and permanent surgeries. It's a similar thing. It's a similar thing when adults think that children should be run through these gauntlets. I find it stunning. And we you know, are starting to get better data that demonstrates that the claim that young people are not actually being subjected to surgeries, and I do use the word subjected, uh, is that a decision parents should be making with the child. There are certain decisions that our society has said that parents cannot make with respect to children, mm -hmm. and this gets to that line. Um, it is the dialectic that you make yes, fun of yes. on regular occasions. I was just First, writing that down. Yes, deny, so they, justify, yeah, then mandate. They, right, they have denied right. that this is going on, right. and now that we have data that demonstrates right. it absolutely has been going on, that is that young people have gone under the knife. Thousands. Uh, thousands of young people have gone under the knife and had uh, chest surgery and genital uh, surgery that uh, to change their uh, physical uh, beings to match what the somebody has said is their mental state, um, that now it's not just that uh, we deny 
denied it, but wanted to say, and it's not happening at all, right. but it is fabulous that it is. Yeah. Uh, but now it's one wonders if it's going to get mandated that, in fact, we've seen this trend where schools are engaging with children about their sexual identities and asking them, do you want us to keep this from your parents? That is a level of government intervention that is striking and does suggest that there is the next step to take, that once the government determines that a child is uh, identifying as a different uh, gender than they were born, that whether or not the parents Mm -hmm. agree to it, that the government should step in and supply whatever uh, cures uh, that government officials ultimately decide is appropriate. Now, it happens that I'm related to a child that went through, uh, as they call it, top surgery uh, when uh, she, now he, originally was, I believe, 15. Uh, and that was up to that family to make those decisions. I only found out about it later. Uh, and it still strikes me that none of this kind of activity should be undertaken until a child has reached the age of mental maturity to make those kinds of decisions sensibly. Arguably, uh, that we have better data recognizing that young males are not m- emotionally and mentally stable until they're 26 or 27. Uh, I certainly have three sons, and I can point to that as a, a as a potential uh, demonstration. Lewis, if you're listening, um, you're, of course, excused from that <coughs> uh, discussion. Anyway, uh, the point being that it is striking, and we continue to see increasing numbers of these sorts of studies, and I'm grateful to you to continue, that you're continuing to point it out, and it is part of this dialectic. Well, this, it's, it's, possi- it's possible I was the first host on all Salem platforms to point this out, and it, became, it was because I was fortunate enough to be able to host a national show in January of 2017 when National Geographic first came out with this, and they had an 8-year-old boy or girl, whichever way you want to define it. I think it was a boy who became a girl, uh, and and on the then cover, they dedicate, huh? On the cover, as I recall. yeah, on the cover, and then they did a whole series throughout. The, and I said, okay, this 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 is coming. Um, got some pushback, by the way. Uh, just FYI, still get pushback. There's a lot of pushback. I was watching an interview between uh, Joe Rogan and uh, Bill Maher that took place last week, and they entered into this territory. I think it would be fair to call. Joe Rogan, a libertarian, and I think it would be call, fair to be, to call Bill Maher an old-fashioned liberal, of which maybe there's only five left as opposed to a leftist, uh, and we could name them. And they were bemoaning the fact that, isn't it interesting how geographical this is? It, it, it's so interesting that there is so much more of this in blue states than in red states that you have to conclude, you have to conclude that there's a social contagion that is going on here rather than some new discovery of a disorder or a, 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 mental, dis, uh, a mental disease or, or, or effectiveness that has all of a sudden been awakened to the medical and scientific community. But there are bills in California and in Washington state that are saying exactly what you're saying. One of them has passed the uh, assembly, which is effectively California's House of Representatives, uh, that will allow for 
Department of Children's Services interventions. If a doctor certifies that an underage child does want to engage in a transition and the parents are opposed to it, I think it's important to be afraid. I think it's important to be very afraid that this is what the state is now coming to. Um, it's, 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 to me, another form of child abuse. Look, let's make the law this simple. Let's make a law this simple. No child can engage in changing their sex at the time of their birth until they are of the right age to be legally allowed to get a tattoo. How about that? I mean, why is it that a 16-year-old cannot get a tattoo but that can go through this? Explain that to me. This is a sick society. It's inexplicable, and the the fact that you're pointing out that the trend in blue states suggests strongly that there is a political motivation to use children to advance a particular uh, political vision, I think uh, it, it makes all the sense in the world. And this is the sort of thing that, uh, as it continues, we should be very, very careful and watchful for. Uh, in the state of Arizona, it is not now legally possible for the school to withhold information. And schools that are engaging in the idea that they can uh, – solicit information from a child that can then be withheld from parents are engaging in illegal activity. Um, one day that may change, I suppose. We know that there are instances in which abortion was the cutting edge on this, where a child can seek a judicial uh, order to uh, receive an abortion when it's uh, against the parent's desires. Uh, we've at least come to some notion of that with respect to abortion. Uh, I'm not quite sure, as you say, why we can prevent a child from getting a tattoo until they turn 18 um, in most instances, and yet uh, somehow they can engage in this kind of behavior um, without parents necessarily being... Uh, Life-altering with permanent damage, and we're not going to see transgender store reversal, uh, reversal stores on storefronts like we now do with tattoos. Hugh Holman, so good to have you back here with me. It's Thank a pleasure you. and an honor. Thank you. Thank you. Welcome back. Thanks for spending some of your hour with us. Uh, David, thanks for all the music uh, today, and uh, thanks for your uh, sartorial tribute. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, your sartorial tribute uh, to um, to Mr. Jimmy Buffett. I um, Hush puppies, boy, you don't think of those anymore. Do you know what hush puppies are? You may not know what hush puppies it's are. It's a southern food. No, no. Well, yes, of course. But when he said, I have my hush puppies on, they were shoes. It was a uh, shoe. That oh, was a child. oh, I know what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, the uh, not the motto, but what do you call the uh, the symbol uh, of the of the hush puppies was a was a was a basset hound. And uh, very long ears. If I yeah, recall. well, as all basset hounds do have, and uh, his name was um, his name was Jason, the mascot for the Hush Puppies Company, and uh, they made a comeback. Uh, and I think, if I'm not mistaken, they made a comeback in the mid '90s, and it was part of one of Malcolm Gladwell's chapters uh, in his book, uh, in his in his first book on how trends, you know, come and go. Any event, uh, Jimmy Buffett is not a trend. He's uh, his lyrics were lasting, and you know he can you, you take seriously uh, m much of what he wrote. And one of the reasons I did is there are so many interesting uh, literary references in his book. As an old Southerner, you know he had this fascination with literature, particularly Southern literature, but also Mark Twain. And I remember in my annual commencement addresses, I would often quote. 
uh, as my uh, piece of advice, as one piece of advice for graduating high school seniors and graduating college students from a Jimmy Buffett song, particularly, uh, be good and you will be lonesome because that is the opening of, um, it is the chorus of one of his songs called That's What Living Is To Me, but it is the opening, he got it from um, the opening of a Mark Twain book called Following the Equator about Mark Twain's tours around the world. And the book opens with a picture of Mark Twain on a ship in his own handwriting. Be good and you will be lonesome. The rest of the lyrics from Jimmy Buffett that I do put in my commencement address are the following lyrics are, be good and you'll be lonesome, be lonesome and you will be free. Live a lie and you will live to regret it. That's what living is to me. Live a lie and you will live to regret it. Still good advice. Could have been a pudding-head maxim of Mark Twain's, but it wasn't. It was a maxim of Buffett's. Anyway, folks, uh, sail on, sailor. Thank you for your gift. Thank you for being with us, audience. You are a daily gift to me. We appreciate you so much. And David, you too are a daily gift to me as well and so many others. Until tomorrow, God bless you all. I'm Seth Liebson, and class is dismissed. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.